we're just blushing up. We just need a bit of extra <laughs> blush. I've seen that Ate's been blushing. I needed to do the same. It's just, it's like, you know what? I've, I've come ready. Let's pump it up and let's, like, let's, get our, let's get our blush on. In the beginning, I thought this is the end of humanity. And I just had that zero fucks attitude and I just put on like literally put on a crown put on bright colours and I've had close friends go are you sure you're going to wear the pink tiara I'm like who made the rules that I can't be taken seriously I can't talk about politics economics and culture while wearing hot pink well I didn't sign up to that Hello all, you are listening to the Capsule in Conversation podcast. I'm Natalie Anderson and today I'm joined by one of the most dynamic women in beauty, Dr. Ate Jewel, to talk breaking down unconscious bias and building a beauty empire. So take a minute and get ready to join us in our conversation. Hello all, thank you so much for being with us. I am thrilled to be joined today by one of the leading voices in beauty, writing across 24 major titles. She was given an honorary doctorate by Solent University for her incredible work in the media space and has since founded both the Ate Jewel Education Fund and her self-titled beauty line, Championing Diversity. She is a this morning favorite, using her voice to push diversity front and center whilst analyzing you via your makeup bag. She is the sensational Dr. Ate Jewel. Hi! What? 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 I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's such a pleasure. And already, I mean, God, guys, the energy that is just coming from this podcast already <laughs> is amazing. Thank you so much for being with me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And that's so kind of you. I'm so excited to chat to you. I was bouncing this morning. Let's get, <laughs> we've already had a blush chat. We've already had a school chat. We've already had a, you know, a mum chat and we haven't even started. I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I mean, honest to God, I really don't know how we're going to fit everything in. Because when I was doing all of my research, I was like, what? How are we going to talk about absolutely everything? You know, going from journalist to producer to director, blogger, philanthropist. There's just so much. But one thing I think for me that really stood out, if we go right back to the beginning, is your love of learning and education. So if I can start there, I mean, tell me how you actually came to work in the beauty industry because you did your degree in history at Bristol, didn't you? That's right. I mean, education is everything. My first loves were beauty, history, film, cinema. And, you know, history, everyone always gets like history and beauty, history and beauty. But history is basically the study of who we are as people, um, of culture, of power, of identity. And you could do that through a prism of politics, economics, religion. Um, and the way I like to study who we are is through beauty, which encompasses all that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is so it hits so many touch points of what I love. So after my degree where I learned about 17th century witchcraft, which is really gender politics. Yep. Why are you killing the women? Yep. Why are you killing the women? <laughs> like, you're killing the women because they're threatening your patriarchal economic system. Can we please, you know, like, is, is this something that we're still dealing with? You know, how people are being disappeared in Afghanistan? Mm -hmm. Like, it's scary, you know? And so everything I learned in history it really gave me validation because I had finally the words of all the things I was really interested in, which really is power, identity and transformation 
And that is what the beauty industry is really, isn't it? <laughs> That's what I find incredible about you. So when I was kind of, again, doing all my research and I love your Wednesday chat clubs anyway, but what Yay! I love about them is you're getting so much more than just a beauty chat. You're getting a political chat. You're getting things where, you know, you are pushing the conversations and you're not afraid to do that more so now than previous. I mean, yeah. some of the, you know, the the quotes that I've, I found that you'd said that I found really uncomfortable were that you know you'd said you wouldn't never felt that you would be made a beauty director because you were Fact. considered black <laughs> fat and that you yeah. didn't adhere to social social norms and pressures and yeah. that you therefore decided to go freelance because you didn't want to be the bridesmaid you didn't always want to be the number two just explain yeah. to me more about that because I find that both really shocking uncom- not shocking actually I don't find it shocking I no. find it upsetting <laughs> that's the word I find it I find it really upsetting so just expand on that for me I mean, it was just the truth. It's a, it's a fact of the matter that, you know, I began my career 2001 in the beauty industry. It was a very different landscape, mm. a very different place. Things are better now, but not that we've still got a lot of work to do. But it was that thing of my face didn't fit. It was the sex of the city. It was the devil's wear Prada. And I have a juicy Nigerian West African body. I have, you know, at the time I was chemically straightening my hair. Honestly, I don't think I'd be let through the door if I had, if I was like who I am now, I wouldn't be sitting here chatting to you. So I had to turn myself down and conform in so many ways. I used to arm myself with like really expensive Chanel, like Chanel handbags. That was my armor, it was my shield. Um, I used to chemically straighten my hair. I only wore gray and black and very kind of considered chic, powerful colors, you know? And even then I wasn't good enough, even though I was the best I wasn't good enough because of the way I looked. And I knew that I would never be given front of house big jobs because my face, my body, my hair just doesn't fit. And I had, you know, I was doing a job for, you know, and I was smashing it and doing a really good job. And I said, can I be permanent? And they're like, no, I'm sorry, sweetheart. We need to give it to someone else. Um, She has no experience in beauty, but you know, it's her time. And I have a thousand stories like that of like, oh, can I present? Can I be front of camera? Can I do this? Can I do that? No, the person with zero experience, but who was a size six and blonde and from the home counties got those opportunities. And it's very painful. And if you speak to anyone in the beauty industry who looks Mm. like me, who is at a certain level, they will have a thousand stories like that as well, where they were blatantly marginalized, you know, it's, you know, you people would say to me, you know, black doesn't sell. That was like so typical. Black doesn't sell. You can't put a black face on the cover, you know, blah, 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 blah. It was just nonsense, but it was just as if it was the norm. That's that, that was what was even more terrifying than that's just how it is. Well, this is it. I, we spoke to Deborah Joseph on this podcast a couple of years ago and she Love told her. me, yeah, she's amazing. And she said to me, and I was really, again, like, what? She went to her editor with a black woman and they said, no, no, I'm sorry, for the same reasons as what you've just yeah. said. And she said it really compromised her as a person being in that job because she really wanted to say this woman is the best person for the job and the picture is the best. But yeah. he was, it was a, a male editor at the time or boss that she had. Yeah. And she came away feeling really upset and, you know, a piece of her kind of feeling that she'd not challenged it enough, but what could she do at the time in the position, in the job position that she held? And yeah. it was difficult to speak out at that time. So many people had that experience of like, uh, like being part of the problem, even though their heart isn't 
like that but like if you want to work in vogue house if you want to be part of this world and those were the rules so i know a lot of people have a deep sense of shame and grief and they don't know where to put it and people have reached out and apologized like i had so many commissioning editors say i'm really sorry at in black lives matters but all the years i said no to you when you wanted to talk about curls and coils for all the times i said oh yeah you know i would ask can i write about you know deeper skin tones and makeup and people would say but that's not luxurious it's not aspirational uh, and then only after black it just it took the murder of george mm. floyd for us all to have a conversation and realize that oh my god that's you know people always associate racism with a burning cross kkk white hoods but that editor saying no to that picture mm. people saying no to me because writing about the way my hair grows naturally isn't luxurious that's racism This episode of The Capsule in Conversation is brought to you by Harrogate Spring Water. Famous for its waters since 1571, Harrogate is Britain's premium natural source water. The 2020 movement after George Floyd what I found interesting, what you said was that you decided to turn the volume up. That's how you described using your platform was like you'd conformed, you'd been quiet, you'd kind of yeah. gone along with what you had to do, I suppose, to kind of get the positions that you've had in the beauty industry, which were deeply unfair considering that you are excellent at your job, you know, and, and therefore had conformed to a point, but then after that felt really compelled and galvanized to go, no, actually I've got this platform, I'm gonna use it to talk about things and to provoke what people would find uncomfortable conversations. And just again, tell me more about that. So, I mean, in within my career, I have always been a diversity advocate, but like yeah. you said, I had to be very covert. It was, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I had, you know, and I remember like, you know, my first interview with the head of HR at Vogue House being asked at 22, do you feel more white because of your excellent education? And knowing that I had to answer that in a way to get in the building so I could burn the whole system down. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so I, so yes, there was, a, and you know, I, I talk about the Louis Theroux, acting ignorance sorry what do you mean you don't want to use that person but they're the best because they're black <laughs> like but you don't want to use them can you explain mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. so I, I was very you know or I'd rock up to um launches I'd be the only person who looked like me in the room and people would be saying oh it's so fantastic we have six shades of foundation the darkest shade is like a Beyonce tone and I'd be like is there a reason why you can't kind of match me and they'd be like well uh well you know we're doing research to see if there's a market in the UK and I'm like save your money there's people here who want to buy your products. So, you know, I was always that person, always mm. pushing, pushing, pushing. The difference was with Black Lives Matters, it wasn't even, it was, it was COVID, mm. really. I think COVID is the real instigator of all these cultural revolutions we're going through at the moment. Mm. So COVID led to Black Lives Matter. So actually the fact that we were all sitting inside, we all were reflective, everyone was feeling the low level pressure of what COVID did to us, where you were feeling watched by your neighbours to see if you had one walk or two. You were being watched. Mm. You, were, you had that low-level fear that something could kick off at any time, that you could 
literally kill your grandma because you gave her a hug. And that's what racism feels like today. It's that low level threat of always feeling a little bit uncomfortable, being judged, feeling things are going to kick off. And I think for the first time, people understood that feeling. And I, it gave me such permission because, you know, you can explain something, but until you feel it, people don't really understand. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Until you feel something. Like I remember listening, you know, there's having your heart broken and listening to Adele before heartache and after heartache. These are two different experiences. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. can be singing, <laughs> you can be singing along. Oh, this is amazing. And then your heart's broken. You're like, preach Oh Adele, my preach. God. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt the whole world was finally listening to Adele after having their heart broken. And it gave me so much permission. And I also thought we were all going to die. I'm not going to lie. In the beginning, yeah. I thought this is the end of humanity. And I just had that zero fucks attitude. Mm-hmm. And I just put on, like literally put on a crown, put on bright colors, put on um, Charlotte Tilbury's red carpet red. Because before I was very kind of turned down. I was very kind of neutral. I was very kind of what I perceived as chic. And I was, because you know, as a historian the color of power in the romans it was purple in the medieval medieval times it was red only rich people could go red wear red and in the 21st century the color of power is gray gray suit really <laughs> if you think about it if you, when you look in the house yeah the that's po- true yeah look at parliament who's what color are they all wearing yeah that is so true when and you look so, back in history that is true yeah yeah and so to, like, you know, I've been on Good Morning Britain talking about Harry and Meghan and politics and cultural affairs. And I've had close friends go, are you sure you're going to wear the pink tiara? Are you sure you're going to wear the pink top? I'm like, who made the rules that I can't be taken seriously? I can't talk about politics, economics and culture while wearing hot pink. Who, well, I didn't sign up to that. Do you know what I mean? There's so many subtle, invisible markers of power. And I think part of my work is rewriting what powerful is. And powerful is anything you bloody want it to be. Anything you want it to be. And I think that absolutely comes across though, Ate. I think that's what it is. I think you do wear pink. You have your pink posse, a colour that is so synonymous with girliness and like when I say girliness as well, I mean somebody frivolous. who's kind of yeah, frivolous, naive, um, girlish, kind of coquettish. Nothing, nothing that's of like you say real power. Even when we talk about powerful women, we sometimes always go to the red. You know, the red yeah. is passion. The red is this. Whereas pink, that's what I love about you is you you have pink and it's like dopamine and I love watching you. But then you're so engaging that the things you talk about are so important. But you're able to reach people because you are engaging them and because you're not standoffish and get to the root levels of really deep and uncomfortable conversations. And for me, what I find refreshing about you is you like you like to spark debate as well and ask yeah. you know in your chat clubs and and on your instagram ask the difficult questions and say right what do we think about this and have that two-way conversation that i find really interesting because you can't always you know to make progress just have one side you've got to have oh, both sides to kind of hear it out i mean do, do you enjoy that side of debate as well oh it's a, how do you ever you are absolutely spot on how do you ever move forward without everyone winning that's the yeah. secret it's a win-win everyone has to win and it can't be 
I, I do not believe in cancel culture. I don't believe in shutting people down. Everybody is valid, just have to be respectful and loving and from power um, and and peaceful. But, you know, I remember during um, when Trump was campaigning and I was, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, again, using my history, it was very much like 1930s Berlin, that atmosphere mm-hmm. of whipping up hatred, whipping up, mm-hmm. um, you know, I remember he was saying, someone punch that guy and I'll pay for your legal bills. Like literally inciting, uh, you know, allegedly don't come for me, Donald Trump, but I believe I saw that. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, that kind of inciting and that l- rhetoric of just, you know, Mexicans are rapists and thieves. Mm. And it just in the same way, Jewish people in 1930s Germany were like reduced to animals and like the rodent problem, like, n- n- like nothing changes. That's what history teaches. It's just different outfits, same uh, push-pulls politics and bigotry. So debate is fundamental. So during the Trump, I was on Facebook very actively trying to find Republicans. Hug a Republican. Yeah. Hug, <laughs> hug a Trump voter because <laughs> I want to understand. And I remember having very, you know, and it was so interesting. All these Trump people were trying to really come for me and put me down and be very demeaning. And I was just... Just, you know, you can attack me in whatever way, but these are what my thoughts. Can you just talk to me about my thoughts? And, you know, let's talk about gun control. And let's talk about this and that. And I made several friends because there was a common ground that we found. You are be- and, and also me being very reasonable. Oh, not all black people are kind of wild and this and that. And I, you know, just being very, who just being myself, I broke down a lot of stereotypes and that's within conversations. And so I think the more people you who do not have your opinion, you can not convert, but you can find a middle ground of respect and take, you know, because I always think whatever, if you're talking about politics, if you're talking about, you know, religion, economics, if you do not have a respectful conversation in the middle, there will be extreme groups like the KKK, like neo-Nazis who will listen to you. And that's when we get into trouble. Completely. And I think that, you know, setting up the fund that you set up, the Atejual yeah. Education Fund, is so key um, because, you know, going back to what we were saying about your your education, going to Bristol, and then you yeah. finding, you know, actually that a lot of other young black students couldn't get into university or couldn't fulfill their dreams for monetary reasons, really. And we're therefore limited and there's, there's no diversity out there. How can you how can you build a more diverse community? Because you're stopping a load of people that have got a lot of talent from actually thriving. And to actually invest in those people, you will get better doctors, you will get better, you know, professors, po- politicians, you'll get better people. But if, you, if you're limiting people, you can't have that can you and you can't have that debate and you can't therefore build a more um, equal society I completely agree and it's not just money that's stopping people that's yeah. what's really interesting because I come from power and privilege I went mm-hmm. to a private girls school in Knightsbridge I my parents paid a fortune for my education and my headmistress said don't apply to Oxford they don't want your kind and I went excuse me what kind is that the under 14 fencing champion, which I was at the time. <laughs> you should like, have whooped her ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, what? Like top of, top of the class in history? What do you mean? Like captain of the volleyball team? What do you mean by my kind? And she said, you know what I'm talking about. So I was like, wow, I have all the advantages that you can have in terms of a private education. I'm paying for this woman to tell me that I, to, t- to try and limit me and actively say I will block you because I won't give you a reference and so it's not 
just about money in mm. the same way sexism isn't just about because it doesn't make any sense if you really if it was about women having rights in the vote um and going to war and go and doing all the things that men can do they would have been doing it for hundreds of years because it makes sense to have people who are very intelligent being in government who mm. ha- also happen to be a woman but you know, it makes sense it's like yeah. it makes sense to have loads of women working for the for the past four five hundred years and then tax them but it's not about that is it it's about power mm. and it's about putting people in their place and preserving a structure so for me my fund is completely it's about yes i'm investing in you the rocket fuel of i know what it took for me to get to bristol and i was the only black person in 1997 to study history which i found shocking mm. and i remember first lecture standing up and saying excuse me i'm looking around why am i the only black person in this room i've done the numbers i've done the crunching i believe i am there's more people eligible to be in this room than me and not just money but it's also feeling that this is not my place it p- people will don't feel comfortable they feel that you know and walking around, I love Bristol the education was incredible but I had a lot of people say very snobby looking down at me my husband is blonde and blue-eyed and went to Westminster University and I remember hearing these girls go why does he always hang around that black girl you just don't get it and this is 97 this is not 1950s Alabama mm. so that there is that feeling that in these higher um echelons of power and universities are echelons of power you are not welcome mm-hmm. and I remember speaking to um two graduate two black girl black women who were graduates from Cambridge saying that um they were told this is your place apply for Oxbridge and the first day they got to their college they walked into the lunch you know the hall and they said all we saw were these portraits and portraits of middle-aged white men bearing down at us I don't see myself mm-hmm. I don't see myself being part of this institution. So that is what not only um do I want to give rocket fuel to help people at university. I also want to the, the bigger message is like you are the center. This is for you. There is literally the Dr Dr Ate Jewel Education Foundation award is a certificate of like go into the world and smash it. And you know, ironically I want people to be as proud it's not Oliver Twist hardship it's not like mm. can I have more gruel it's like a it, ironically it's like a road scholarship <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> without, without the imperialism it's like I want you to be really proud that you you know it is it is an investment in the fact you're going to go into society and you're going to be make it more equal you're going to be this next generation of CEOs you're going to be we've just awarded um our first round with the London College of Fashion with cosmetic scientists and um, P&G have been amazing at um, with sponsorship for that particular award. We've also have Invader and Cantu, Little Light PR and Space NK, who are all our founding investors. If Please, everybody, hook me up. I need more investment. I need more people. <laughs> I need more money to help fuel the next generation of um, like bosses. So basically, um, we've just funded the first round and it's for black and mixed heritage students. Mm-hmm. So I'm so excited. In a few years, we're going to see people in laboratories yeah. making products who have different stories, experiences. They're going to be making products for their grandma. You know, they're going to mm-hmm. be thinking in a completely different way. And that is how you change society. A hundred percent. That is how you change it. And that's, again, what I find so incredibly brilliant about you getting in there and having the attitude that you have of going, I am giving you the tools and you can see yeah. because 
I'm doing this myself. You're doing it. It's from the horse's mouth. You are yeah. active. You're active. You're not just passive. You're so active in there, actually getting in there, having the difficult conversations, asking, you know, why? Why am I not? Why Why is that person not, not at the forefront? Why is this? Why? And just constant challenge, which is absolutely what we need. However, challenge in such a way that people can understand rather than yeah. feel completely like with their back against the wall because that's when they get defensive whereas the way in which you challenge and make progress and, and push forward is about again that two-way conversation which you know I'm finding amazing just talking to you even now like the energy that is coming through for me I'm like oh my god yes I want to do it I want to change everything and <laughs> um, and you know one of those things that you are doing a- alongside that is is the is your beauty business which you know you are really passionate about. And as you said, from your lived experience of not having yeah. those shades available and thinking, well, why? And now you've gone to really go and kind of make this for yourself and for other yeah. people and to to speak for other people as well. Tell me more about the development of Atajul Beauty. Yes, I'm so passionate because we are the change. We are culture, mm. we are society. And the biggest lie we've all been fed is that we have no power to change things. Mm. We literally are culture. So if everyone <laughs> like is the change they want to see then things will have to change don't go you know i read this quote you should make your children proud not your ancestors do you know what i mean yes that's a great (laughs) quote i love that i just that really fired me up i want to make my girls proud yeah you know my ancestors yes but it's about being forward so i've created it's taking me four years and my goodness the amount of misogyny and racism to get to this point has Mm. been eye-watering where i've had you know, people didn't want to work with me because they they would say things like, well, you know, um, you're concentrating on diverse shades. You know, black people don't have the money to buy at your price point. God. This is like a year ago, a couple of years ago. I had people say, you know, people with deeper skin tones aren't interested in natural or luxury or ingredients. And it's, and I'm like, and, and I, someone else said to me, because, you know, I've created 20 shades. I call them the in-between colours. All the people mm. who have been not seen, literally, mm. have been like in-between shades, like um, who have not been seen, who have not been, like you walk into a beauty hall and that literally is such a political statement. Can you literally see yourself on a, sh- on a shelf? And if you, if you can't, why? Because you're not being worth being marketed to. You're not worth the R&D. You're not worth it, the, the hours that I've taken to make a shade and mix and not just to put the same old ingredients which makes things look ashy and orange and muddy or too green. And it's taken me four years to get here. I'm so proud. And I literally have named them all after people who really inspire me who I love I've got two shades for my daughters which is their perfect color Ola and Adana I have um, Lumpita uh, who I really admire I've got Viola after Viola Davis Mm. I've got Gary after Plastic Boy I've got Alison after Alison Hammond and Rochelle and Maya Jammer it's based on real people and what so people can see themselves and other people can say oh I'm a Maya oh I'm an Alison and that is so validating to me this is pure beauty activism it's yeah. I'm making I'm making my fantasy foundation um but also I'm making it so I want people to see themselves and to be proud and literally celebrate their melodin it was always a tag on you were always a, like I was always um I'm always a chestnut or espresso tagged on to the end. And also my shade was always the end of, a, of the rainbow, mm-hmm. like the end. And I've created shades which are four shades darker mm-hmm. than me. And there are so many people 
who have opted out of wearing makeup because they don't want to look clownish or gray or ashy. There's so many people who I know this isn't my color, but I've had to mix four shades and it's still okay. And there are some incredible ranges. Fenty Beauty, she, I cried like a baby at her launch and she said, give me a hug. I, I was like a proud Nigerian Aww. auntie. I was like, I'm so proud. Br- br- <laughs> She literally smashed that old old model that black doesn't sell, blah, 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 blah. People queued around the corner for weeks. And there, and, and I love my Trini London. There's amazing brands. This is my expression, my love letter. Mm. This is also 20 shades where I don't think people have really seen themselves. And so I've got shades for like mixed heritage people, Middle Eastern shades, um, like deeper skin tones. And I think it's just so exciting. It is about honoring who you are. It's, and that's why beauty is important. Over the last 10 years, we've seen, especially with makeup and beauty, the expression, freedom of expression through makeup and beauty people just taking to their channels and being whoever it is that they want to be. And they can't do that if they don't have all the products there, you know? And so for you to be catering to them so that they can really be seen and really feel validated and acknowledge that their existence is important. And it is important. And I think that's what's been one really powerful tool with social media is allowing people to be who they want to be rather than us having to stick to the same beauty ideals and being fed, oh, it's this that you have to be. Be. you know you talk about Rihanna there and I love the Fenty campaigns in general for, di- mm. for body diversity yes. that's something else you know that's so important and I just think that we are making those steps and as you said you know making your children proud you are really yeah. making the change and it's conversations for me personally that I'm interested in is having being able to have these conversations so people get to hear it people that are you know driving to work that might not necessarily tune into something they're getting to hear it in a different format so that everybody is starting to be on the same wavelength about the necessity of making change making a better world for our children to so that we can all exist together and even women's you know health issues you know talking about the menopause talking about the perimenopause talking about size and one of the things for me that you know stood out we we were both on the show last week was um Alison, you know, having a chat about, oh. um, which was really heartbreaking. I was down the line, so I could only hear her and I heard it you was... as well. And it was it was difficult to listen to. And you were in the studio. I know it was difficult to be there, to hear someone that you really care about talking about their experience with um, being overweight and how it really upset her. And, you know, the, the, the again, the, the remarks that people make about people you've experienced that yourself and you know yes. hit, hit burnout at a point where you were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes just tell me about your experience in that as well I mean Alison breaking down and crying and she you know she was saying I'm so embarrassed I'm like no thank you for mm-hmm. vo- again voicing and being someone a focal point of you know because I'm an overeater because really what I've had to get through to get to where I am, I also had a very chaotic childhood. It was very privileged, but it was also very turbulent and chaotic and weird and unstable in many ways. And also kind of in a funny way, because my dad was so scary and such a narcissist, um, stroke sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, I, I can look back now and say thank you because he gave me some so much uh, skills to deal with 
prejudice and being mm. uh, and frightening things I had to deal with it quite quickly so in a funny way it's a strange gift mm. and so that was very heavy to deal with and then you go into an industry in a world who doesn't want to celebrate you who doesn't want to reward your hard work who judges you on the color of your skin your hair and your body shape and you know I was a workaholic working 18 hours a day no problem and that's where I put my fury into was mm. being successful you know it's like I had a I'll show you. And mm. I went freelance at 23 because I knew I would not, you know, you have to make decisions. I'm not going to be who I am going to want to be within the structure. That's mm. just a fact. I always, you know, I love God with the wind. I always, you know, I always like, I'm not going to be anyone's mammy. I'm not going to pull anyone's corset so that you can look good and go to the barbecue because that's what it felt like working really hard, doing all the work for other people to shine. Yeah. That was not me. So I twirled away and did my own thing. And I just worked so hard and then so just such long hours and it was a real it was like a proof you know I'm writing for Sunday Times style Daily Mail Telegraph Guardian left right men's health women's health I like there wasn't anyone I didn't write for Allure magazine in America German Vogue I used to prop stuff for like everywhere not only to them but to me to be like yeah it's not me it's you <laughs> you know it's like yeah. yeah it's not me it's you I'm not a beauty director anywhere not because I haven't got the talent or the purpose or the drive it's and it's like um I read another quote saying you have to make it just ridiculous for people not to hire you it's embarrassing mm. for not to hire you it's like you know Beyonce I know you're a great dancer but Sharon from accounts is going to do the halftime <laughs> Super Bowl because she's been working really hard at her two-step do you know what I mean like you have to make it embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And the the toll for me, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't smoke, I don't have a sex addiction, but I did have a food addiction. I did have issues with sugar. Mm. That's where it has to go somewhere, you know? Mm. And so much grief, so much pain, so much literally fucking up rejection and frustration and racism. For me, I ate it, mm. you know? There's other people have other outlets, healthier outlets, and I take full responsibility, but I did not have any coping mechanisms from my childhood to bolster me for what I went through in my career. And it's only now in my late 30s, for, like my late 30s, I was diagnosed and it was a real, again, strange gift because it was the universe, my body saying, who do who, something's <laughs> up. <laughs> Listen. Because next what next step's probably gonna be a heart attack. So yeah, I do I did take it as a strange I think in every negative there's a positive. Mm. And I remember crying and saying, you know, I can be a bit witchy. I'm like, I'm sorry, nature, I'm sorry the universe, you've given me this beautiful <laughs> gift and I've trashed it. I was really hurt that I was I like I trashed the gift of my body that I was given. And I just moved to the countryside. I started walking, doing meditation, I started to dance again, and that was so much so much joy in ballet like mm. I wanted to be a professional ballerina when I was little I was really really good and I was told black black women aren't ballerinas because you don't you have the wrong body you're probably going to get huge boobs and it doesn't look elegant your body isn't elegant and I and I was told that and then I just was like oh that's a shame and I stopped why the fuck did I believe that or why did I tolerate that because that's the world no one mm. would have hired me no one would have you know I my body isn't elegant can you imagine being told that like 10 11 and so I was like well this is pointless I'll stop and so I never danced again and then 
my you know no one has a food problem they have a feeling problem my mm-hmm. spirit was broken and so I had to do all the things to fix my spirit and dancing was something I remember I have twin daughters and you know that you know that mum life where you're just sitting watching your kids having fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> they get to do the stuff <laughs> you literally oh that's nice you've got your swimming oh that's nice you're running around a park on a swing oh that's nice you're doing ballet and I remember which is also that's another conversation um and I was like why am I and they were giggling and twirling and having they were they were having the time of their lives I'm like why did I stop twirling and so I just got at 40 started dancing again with my lovely ballet teacher Cara Scarlett who is royal ballet trained she broke her spine and ended her career and she had to learn not only to dance but walk again and all the worthiness and self-esteem and like I, rebuilding identity so she is a healer in every sense mm. of the word and so uh and created such a lovely safe space so I danced and med- I'm doing meditation now I have such a long way to go to try and heal you know and we're at the other end I had an amazing doctor who told me you're like a warrior who has been through battles and only now is realizing the effect of all that Mm. and this is the time to lie down and rest (laughs) and I think so many people have gone through so many battles in their life and the problem is you put a little rubber band of alcohol or this or that or you know you put so many rubber bands which do not heal you and actually you need to just stop and rest and take account and so for me my body type 2 diabetes was a result of all that yeah (laughs) you know I'll show you let's do this let's go 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 and so you know fury and anger only takes you so far and it took me to 38 that rocket fuel Mm -hmm. and now it's about love peace kindness to yourself being gentle with the same passion and drive and energy but with not the self-harm edge do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I do know what you mean. And it's I what the doctor said to you that I completely agree with, you know, yeah. that warrior kind of mentality, that kind of striving and 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 just wanting to wanted yeah, wanting to be there and, and, and show up. And and that takes a lot of energy. It takes yeah. a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy to fight that fight on behalf of other people as well. Yeah. You know, it's it is draining. And I can completely understand what they what he said to you. And but how now at this point? And I think a lot of women actually for various it was a reasons. Woman. It was a female doctor. A female doctor. You there, see, well, there you, you go. See, yeah, it, we, we all do it. It's like she was a lady doctor. Yeah. So she, she knew all the crap she had to get through to be where she was (laughs) yeah that is so true because I was saying the same thing to yeah we do assume and literally I was thinking then you know as women I think collectively for various reasons we do get to a point like I just turned 40 this year you're 42 now and I know that in my late 30s it was a really hard time I found personally myself I was like hitting rock bottom and there was so much that were caught up with me to the point where now in my 40s I'm in this place the same as you of going just take it easy rest you know if you're going to continue this journey that you're on to make change you can't do it 
the same way that you were doing it before. You've it's yeah. got to come from a place of love and a place of rest and a place from healing. Yes. And, you know, so then you can make that change again for our kids. And, you know, I love the fact that you went back to ballet and that you are, mm. you know, back into that because it's important, isn't it? It's in terms of self-care, as you, you know, you were saying there, you can be a bit witchy. And I was reading that, you know, you like to forest <laughs> bathe, as your yes. husband calls it, like get out into nature. That's really important too, isn't it? so important and I completely I had I think everyone has that late 30s breakdown about turning 40 Mm -hmm. and I honestly think it's the misogyny that we've all been brought up with Mm -hmm. because suddenly you realize oh what's my worth what have I achieved what have I achieved what's my worth because as a woman I have had to hit these certain markers by 40 and it's really very interesting like I think 40s for me has been the the decade of deprogramming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 totally. (laughs) Like just the deprogramming. And so, for example, I thought self-care was a dirty word. I thought balance was a dirty word. Mm -hmm. It meant you were lazy. (laughs) Like it meant, and so I've deprogrammed myself that actually, you know, I have a lovely friend, another like healer, Nahid, the human method. Um, go go see her. She does amazing breath work and restorative classes and just incredible work. And she told me the most productive thing you can ever do is to rest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, what? And she's like, the most productive thing you, do, you can do is rest because you know and I also went to Vivamaya clinic um on a press on a pressing and um I had this amazing another amazing female doctor saying tell me everything you want to achieve and this was a, 2019 just before the pandemic I said I want to change the way I want to change education I want to have my own brand I want to do this I want to be that amazing mother da, 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 da. and I just listed all the things I wanted to achieve and she went that's lovely you'll do nothing of those if you're dead <laughs> And sometimes it takes that harshness of like, yeah, if you, you know, and there's a lot of stroke and heart attack in the women in my family because of lifestyle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not genetic, lifestyle. Lifestyle, being an achiever. People pleasing. Yeah. No boundaries. This is what kills so many women. Shame, you know? Yeah. And like shame no boundaries, people pleasing, toxic. And and I was like, I'm not going to go out like that. And I have to change my life. So self-care is actually, it's a shield, it's power. It's no longer just being lazy or this. Like, you know, one of my greatest achievements so far as a mother was I was lying down having, I had yoga matters, bolsters under my feet. I had a lavender pillow uh, eye mask on and it was the middle of the day and I just put my calm up on for a 10 minute meditation and uh it was uh my daughter my husband's like because you know he's trying to find me in the house and my daughter went shh she's meditating (laughs) and I was so proud that I had taught my daughter that don't bother the lady I'm not here. No, no, you can't. No, I'm not here right now. I'm not present. (laughs) That she was protecting my space and informing my husband that I'm taking space for myself. What lesson as a woman am I giving her? You know, that, you know, she's protecting herself. She's having meditation. It's important. I'm not bothering her asking for a snack because I know that's what I want. So, you know, like give, she'll be ready in 10 minutes. And I could hear her say that. And it made me so proud that that's a little cycle I broke that 
me taking that space means that hopefully she will take space for herself and she has boundaries and she can take care of herself and it's and that's okay because I was never taught that lesson you know what I mean yeah do because teaching kids boundaries is I learned that lesson quite late on as well about boundaries and I was a people pleaser and exhausted myself trying to fulfill everybody's version of me and I was like yeah 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 yeah, sister wife mother daughter every everything and you know and it literally like you say it got me to a place of such anxiety and as you rightly said then that's why that causes the end of so many women because they're just living on their nerves and I've been teaching my son about boundaries and about you know right protect your space and don't let people cross them and I said to him even me I said even if it's me if I if you feel like I'm making you uncomfortable and if you feel like I'm overstepping the mark you must tell me because it's really important that as a young man even he you know I want I want to raise him where he's aware of all these things and he's emotionally amazing job because you know what he has a mother he respects who under who is teaching him about boundaries and he is going to be a champion of he's going to be a feminist straight up and he's going to recognize when other people are not respecting boundaries and you know what I mean and yeah that is a thank you for sending another great person into the world. Well, I think this is the thing. This is the thing that I think we both share is that that wanting to make a change, that genuine change for this next generation of of kids and for society, and you know. S- I can honestly say that, you know, from when I grew up in the 80s to where we are now, there's so much more work that needs to be done. But changes have been made to a place, you know, where we are starting to progress in other parts of the world. Maybe not so much, but where we are right now, I feel like we're we're seeing different people. We're seeing validation. We're seeing people being acknowledged that have not been acknowledged before. And it's really important. And I want to continue that. I want that to continue. I don't want to be of a generation where we forget easily what's, you know, a revolution and just forget about it. We want to continue. Just going back to beauty, I want to know as well about some of the women that have been, you know, part of your journey and people that you admire and that you really kind of love working with. Tell me about those women. Oh, my God. I've been so lucky. That's what's a beautiful thing about the beauty industry. It's just filled with wise women, (laughs) like healers and wise women. And there's been so many people who have championed my career. All the people, like Beth and Cole, when I first went freelance and she was at Sunday Time Style and she was always commissioning me and that did so much for my confidence and so much for visibility. And like Kathleen Bird-Murray, who I worked with at Tatler and Carmel Allen, who was the very first person to get me into the beauty industry at Instar Magazine. And like Elizabeth... um, Barnett Lawson, who was number three at InStyle. And she, I had my first beauty interview with her where she said, Chanel, makeup, disgust. And I could have cried and hugged her because I had found my people. You know, like, and she still is a very good friend and a champion. Um, and she, and an ally. And there's just so many people. And, you know, my friend Laura Hinton from Little Light PR, who is just, you know, throughout Black Lives Matters, uh, she's Irish has Irish family and that injustice that kind of you know she was on fire Mm. it's that empathy you Mm -hmm. know and she and when people look at her they assume she's sort of Gwyneth Paltrow and Mm. (laughs) not realizing that she's had generations of um 
prejudice that she, her family has dealt mm-hmm. with. And she's been an amazing friend and ally to, to, to me for over 20 years um, in the beauty industry. So many people, like there's too many, we don't have enough time to name all the people who inspire me, who have just been incredible, like Caroline Hirons and yeah. Trini and just, you know, Ruby Hammer and just, and Millie from the British Beauty Council. There's just too many people to name who have literally like you know i love vikings and like you know the, the show vikings yeah, yeah 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 it really it really speaks to me and they have just all been shield maidens that's the only way i can think it's just like warrior women who have like protected me with shields giving me like giving me shields of information yeah. arabella preston from votary london just doing things that people don't do like opening their address books and telling you factories telling you people People just are so competitive and like Katie Brindle as well. Just They just don't do these things, but these women have. And I think they're just vibrating on a very different level and realising from a patriarchal system that we can deconstruct. It's like we don't need to play that game where everyone's catty. And even the word catty is offensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, catty and competitive and all these old stereotypical disgusting words that women were, you know, made to go at each other mm-hmm. to compete for the scraps from the table and I think there's a whole generation of women in the beauty industry who are recognizing that and instead we're holding hands and we're rising together and that is through a prism of you know diversity based on melanin based on misogyny we're all holding hands and we're all stepping up and I love that I do as well I think that sisterhood is so important I was thinking about this the other week about um I think it might have been you that even talked about it was the the old x-factor days and how you know the judges the female judges changed all the time and they were always pitted against each other and if one was sick there was this whole thing throughout like the 2010s kind of thing there's always a younger version yeah and I remember saying to my husband I would, I'd hate to be in that position where as a woman, you're constantly like huh, on edge and on the back foot and just trying to prove yourself. And there's, there's a man at the top making, making you feel like, hmm, prove yourself. And well, you know, don't get sick or there's always somebody there to fill your place. And I, I don't want to be like a man basher per se. I don't want to sound like that. But that is the system that we are constantly trying to break against is that yeah. in making a foundation where you do have women sitting on the boards and you do have women yes. making those important decisions, it is so important. And I think that's why this sisterhood, this female energy, it's funny, Sophia Miles on the very first um, episode of this this podcast series said, I can feel the divine feminine energy really rising. And I feel like that's really true. Do you definitely and I mean like you know what you were saying my husband is the biggest feminist he is raving to warrior women he is like he has empowered me so much he's given me the gifts of power he is you know he hates me saying this and I can see him walking over there going don't do it girl but (laughs) he is the poster child of white privilege you know he is he went to Westminster he then he went to Oxford then he he's six foot two he's blonde he's blue-eyed he's able-bodied he's heterosexual he's Christian he's fertile he ticks every box every box (laughs) every box and he's funny and he's a good dancer. He <laughs> takes every box of what we perceive to be powerful and desirable. But he is also a feminist. He's also an ally. So it's not, we're not bashing men because we are bashing the system that empowers very 
wicked behavior and the most misogynistic disgusting behavior that some of some of the things that I have had to face are from women yeah because they're upholding the system yeah you know it's like you know when you see you know the Karens in America calling the police on black people like that guy who was in Central Park mm-hmm. she was protecting a racist patriarchal system mm-hmm. you know it's, it's, it's not about gender or this or that it's about the system which empowers this behavior and that's what we're dismantling absolutely just before we finish up as well i just want to get some of your beauty favorites because it would be ridiculous if i didn't (laughs) do that (laughs) tell me some of your go-to beauty products and beauty faves well, obviously my foundation. So oh, I, wear that, <laughs> I wear that every day and I created an Ate shade. So that's delicious. And my blush. But I love, 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 love Pat McGrath's eyeshadow palette. Yeah. It's just too delicious. It's expensive. But you know what, Pat? I just curtsy to you because you're a queen. Like, my God. Uh, anytime I want to feel fabulous, and that should be every day, not for this Sunday best, mm-hmm. whip out some sparkles. So I love that. Um, I love me some Trini London, her new um, cleanser, which is amazing. Her cleansing balm is incredible. But I love colour, colour, colour. So anything, I love nails as well. Nails. Yeah. So I'm, I'm currently obsessed with, I've always loved Nails Ink and their neons and also the gel, uh, I think it's the gel bottle company. They have incredible shellac colors which are really bright because sometimes you don't have those like poppy colors yeah um what else do i like i'm looking at my desk i love um ren anything from ren is amazing i love uh beautiful salts like um mirror water estee lalondi i'm obsessed with her wellness range and the bath salts i love espar soothing bath like this so i'm just around I love literally Amber. you are literally looking around going oh my god I'm this looking, and this it's just too much like neon happiness i burned <gasps> the neon happiness you love it we love That's- neon here yeah we love it oh. There's just too many things. Um, I love fragrance because ugh, I like Neil's Yard essential oils. Oh. Uh, you know, I love a lang a lang. I love. I've always like if if I if I like if just candles and oils and color. That those are the things that make me really happy. And I'm just trying to think. I love Fenty Beauty, um, toffee teas, contour. It's the first time I ever wore contour was during the pandemic, which is just. It's so ironic. I just turned up the volume during the pandemic sitting in my house doing yeah. Instagrams for the first time. And it was the first time that there was a shade dark enough that would work as a contour. And that was mm-hmm. Fenty's Toffee Tees. And, it, you know, when you look down and you're like, oh, that's what everyone's been talking about. I've been writing about it, but I haven't felt it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you go Kim K um, with your contour. But I hadn't ever felt that because there wasn't anything dark enough. And it was that thing of just, again, just being seen and being like, oh, and just be having so much permission to be myself and just to be the full 1000% authentic version of myself and feeling that that's okay. I won't be, I won't, I won't suffer for Mm. being me, you know? So, yeah. And just one very last question. Um, If you could give a piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? It's going to be okay. It's not you, it's them. Put down the chocolate cake and go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I 
Dante, honestly, we have run out of time for today. And I can't tell you how much of a pleasure it's been to just chat to you and have this gorgeous hour with you and just feel really like just excited and, and energetic. And, you know, it's been such a pleasure for you, for me to listen to you being so honest as well and sharing, you know, some of your experiences and that, you know, hopefully from this conversation, we can just again, just keep moving those, you know, barriers a bit further away and just just break them down a bit more. So thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. I'm so filled up. I just thank you so much. It's been so wonderful to talk to you. Please come and do a chat club with me. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, I want to, yeah, being part of the Pink Posse. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you. Uh, For more from Ate and to shop Ate Jewel Beauty, you can visit her website, www.atejewelbeauty.com. You can also find her on Instagram, at Ate Jewel, where you can become a member of the Pink Posse too and join the Wednesday chat club. For more wellbeing, fashion and beauty, you can visit us at our website, www.thecapsule.co.uk. You can also catch up with our previous podcast episodes by visiting the In Conversation page and subscribing to any of our podcast channels and YouTube. As always, please feel free to leave your rates and reviews. It's been amazing to get your feedback on this series so far. So thank you so very much. You can also drop us a message at our Instagram at Official Capsule. If you'd like to put any questions to our future guests or just leave a message about anything you want, really. I will be back next week with another fabulous guest and more conversations of inspiration. But all that's left for us to say today is goodbye. So it's goodbye from Ate. Bye. And goodbye from me. This episode of the Capsule in Conversation was brought to you by Harrogate Spring Water. Bottled at source, Harrogate Spring offers a pure, refreshing taste with a delicate blend of naturally occurring minerals and electrolytes, perfect for healthy hydration.